Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. Yeah, as we get to season four of The Crown here, it's interesting because we don't know when we'll record season five. And at time of recording here, season five is not yet out. And I think it's scheduled about the time this is going to air, maybe. But I'm not really sure. So we'll see how soon we are able to throw season five up here. We'll probably end up being a bonus episode, I guess, just kind of down the road, wherever we kind of get to it or whenever it kind of is released and we have time to get to it. Yeah. Season five, I think, will be interesting, too, because that'll be the first season that takes place in both of our lifetimes. Oh, right. So, like, they probably touched on stuff that happened, like, when you were had already been born but had not yet happened yes i don't even know actually let me oh the years of season four season four according to my notes covers 1979 to 1990 so yeah you're not born yet so just yeah just just missed it oh it's also all stuff even though i was alive i wasn't aware really yet of what was going on with the royal family versus versus we get to season five and it will start being stuff that i was uh aware that was actually happening as it was happening yeah well and even stuff like uh i guess spoiler alert for season five but like princess die is gonna die unless they milk that out to season six but i I think you're right i think it'll i there's i I don't think there's any way that they go that's probably gonna happen like at the beginning of season five that's true or i would say in the middle yeah 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 yeah, but because um, like that happened in 1997, right? And so I, think I was so. like four years old, but I even still remember that. Oh wow, like, that was yeah, yeah. a huge deal. Okay, well let's. Uh, let's Anyways, yeah, yeah let's, <laughs> let's stay with our current timeline. Um, <laughs> yeah, so season four does take place between 1979 and 1990, so an 11 year period there. And the two big things we kind of get to here, and I do like kind of we talked. I think we talked about last time with season three how the show kind of shifts from the broader strokes of just who the characters are. And now you're really digging into these specific events. And then in season four, the two huge new characters we get are Margaret Thatcher and Princess Diana. And that's kind of interesting because at least to at least to me, after the Queen, the next two at least recent like female historical figures from the UK. Oh, right. That like everyone knows about are. Oh, yeah. Princess Diana and Margaret Thatcher. Right, absolutely. And as we mentioned before with past episodes on The Crown, this is not going to be an episode-by-episode complete breakdown. I'm sure there are other podcasts for that. It's kind of interesting, too. Like, we, as you kind of research this, there's I wrote, I even started my notes here. There are lots of articles. So if I would, like, Google, oh, hey, did such and such really happen in The Crown? Yeah, here's, like, 18 different articles that people have written because the show is so popular yeah, that right. everyone else is having these same kinds of uh, questions. Yeah, just just a really popular and really good show. I mean, we could start off just talking about like the first big thing that happens, which is in the first episode where Lord Mountbatten is killed by the IRA. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, which we haven't talked too much about him. I think we did mention. Actually, I don't know if he was even on our episodes on the Crown or if it was when we were talking to uh, bringing up Indian history or you know for something else. But like, yeah, he was like the last viceroy of India when they got their independence from Britain, I believe. Right? Like, he was actually the guy kind of overseeing part of that process. I, I'm pretty, that's just kind of off the top of my head from remembering from 
some past yeah, research, I, but yeah, I, I don't know what his position was exactly, but I know that he was high up in the British colonial government there. Right, and he is to, just to kind of remind everybody, including ourselves, he is Prince Philip's uncle, right? Yeah, but it, in the show, though, he's it's basically his dad. Like it's he's it's not actually his dad. Right. But it, and that's that's kind of the I think that was the real life dynamic. It was his uncle who ended up serving as his de facto father most of his life. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. I was just making sure that it was indeed his biological uncle and how that all played out. Yeah, cuz I think in the show we I mean, we only see Prince Philip's actual dad like one or two times and it's always like in flashbacks to when he was a kid. Like I, I don't think they really even show prince philip's dad when prince philip is an adult in the show right that is interesting is that because he died young oh i don't know when he died but in the show at least they don't have a good relationship because the dad blames him for the death of his older sister oh yeah yeah which i don't i don't remember which season yeah i don't know if that was this season or last season where they kind of got into that oh okay yeah yeah so he is the uncle but it's his uh when we see Prince Philip's mom, like the one, the Greece, the Greek nun or whatever. Yeah. Her and Lord Mountbatten are brother and sister in real life. Like, yes, yeah, so that's the, that's the connection there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it says, yeah, it is his mom's brother. So yeah. And again, that's so that incident. Did, I mean, that did happen. Like the IRA bombed this dude's boat and that is how he was killed. Like that. I think it makes sense. That'd be a weird thing to make up in the show is to yeah. have him go go out that way. But that was, I mean, that's a that's a huge part of, well, British history kind of as a whole, but specifically from the 70s through the 90s, like the Troubles. Oh, right. Is, is, it was a huge deal. Um, and we kind of talked a little bit, well, we talked a lot about the like early 20th century stages of this conflict. So maybe, you know, 50 or 60 years prior in episode 59 oh when that shakes the barley right right but that was more about the uh irish independence movement but yeah this was this was a big deal and it like still is a big deal in ireland today i mean i you were just in ireland yes can you <laughs> speak to this <laughs> incident in particular well no but <laughs> no, 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 not, not this can you speak to like how it is there today i mean i i've watched like interviews and stuff with people who are living in ireland today and they're they're worried about brexit causing kind of a uh, aggravating the already pretty high tensions there that have always been there I mean, no, no insight from this in particular trip. Like I did kind of go to a couple of places and got a little Irish history, but nothing really relevant to what we're saying there. I, I, what, uh, one quick antidote from our 2010 trip, we were talking to a, a bartender and we walked in and there was like American flags all over this Irish bar. And uh, we were very confused by that. <laughs> so so we asked the bartender well, what's the deal with i mean thanks but what, what's the deal with all the american flags without missing a beat he's like oh y'all are playing england today in soccer <laughs> i'm like oh so just you, you you do tend to forget about the rivalry or if rivalry is not even the right word it's like uh so i was talking to i was talking to an irish uh historian tour guide on a little i kind of looked out on a couple of walking tours i did on this trip mm-hmm. i ended up being the only person attending so I had this really good historian just kind of breaking down. I was at the basically the old military hospital and just kind of walking around with this guy for like 45 minutes, basically getting a private tour from a historian, which is pretty cool. Nice. Thanks, COVID. All this stuff was <laughs> built by the British. He's like, oh, the British use this for this. The British use this for this. I'm like, 
that's a lot of British. <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, I mean, they were here for like 800 years. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that's. <laughs> so where where were you this time? Were you in Dublin again? Because in 2010, you were in Dublin, right? Yeah. Okay. And we, you were in Dublin again this time as well? Yeah. So in, in 2010, I went through just uh, basically landed in Dublin, stayed in Dublin for a few days and flew out. And that was it. This time, similarly, flew into Dublin. It's just a good airport to fly into from the States. Uh-huh. And uh, immediately flew out before leaving the airport. But then on my way back, I got to Dublin a few days before my flight back to the States. Honestly, primarily so I could get my COVID test a few days before my flight. Uh, and gotcha. they, so they would let me back in the country. And then so then I decided to a couple full days uh, in Dublin, basically waiting for my flight. But obviously, try to do as much as I could and try to you know, hit some museums I didn't hit last time and that kind of thing. But yeah, you just kind of forget about the right. So to your point on the Brexit thing and the conditions in Northern Ireland, what I had heard prior to any of this just on podcasts and stuff, they do say it is a concern. So that basically kind of the EU stuff was part of what helped ameliorate all of the issues between ireland and northern ireland in the first place right because they could basically free trade free work no border yeah right right and that yes the concern was that brexit would potentially re-heighten a lot of those tensions but i have not heard to what extent that is manifested um and obviously i mean i was around dublin so i'm nowhere near the northern ireland and all that but yeah so apparently and Again, my understanding is also very limited, but apparently there is now, I guess, the way that they are planning on doing the border in Ireland is instead of having a, you know, full-on land border, which was kind of the thing that no one wanted in the first place because that would be like, you know, a huge, it caused massive conflicts. Right. Um, Instead, it's going to be like a, I guess the plan now is to have a sort of like a maritime border between the island of Ireland and the, uh, what is, is it the island of Great Britain? Is that what they call that? Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, one? they're like okay. the they're like the British Isles. So the big one is Great Britain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So the island of Great Britain and the island of Ireland, they're going to have like a maritime border between that. But now that's, there's people in Northern Ireland who are like, hey, what the hell? Like we're part of Great Britain. Or sorry, United Kingdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Why are we now on the other side of this border? Which again, that's. My very limited understanding, and I probably didn't even do a good job of uh, explaining that correctly, but uh, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, Northern Ireland has has always been and will continue to be in this kind of precarious position. And and again, there's no one way any place feels about it. I think there's some in Northern Ireland that wouldn't mind just having a united Ireland. And maybe Ireland, Northern Ireland just becomes part of Ireland, Ireland. And anyway, that's not that that's a majority opinion, but just every possible opinion probably exists oh, yeah. in situations like these. So, which episode of The Crown was this talked about? I was gonna, I was say, back to, so, back to episode one of The Crown. <laughs> Generally speaking, again, just we kind of talked about millions times before. Just The Crown in general, it doesn't seem to change big things. It just kind of combines and streamlines historical events or uses scenes in the show to illustrate truths in spirit, even if it's not getting the exact letter of the thing right. So, mm-hmm. again, it's not a history lesson, but I think it does give you a a good look although this uh, this season we will get to here does have some specific things that the crown straight up refutes but then at the same time i think you would probably say well of course they would <laughs> oh right yeah so yes yeah, so, yeah so the uh it, honestly so like i just like we mentioned margaret thatcher but I, I don't really have enough or much to say about margaret thatcher in particular i mean She's a prime minister. I, I just I just don't feel like there's a lot exciting. Other, I mean, what she represents, I mean, the country's first female prime minister is significant. It right. is important. But she's also controversial because she's kind of like the, well, in both time period and 
political view, she's basically the UK Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only it's different because here in the United States, and I don't know, maybe this is just from, you know, growing up in a pretty conservative environment, but in the United States, Ronald Reagan is like probably high on people's lists of like really good presidents with really good ideas that did a lot of good stuff for the country. Whereas it, Margaret Thatcher in the UK is is pretty divisive. Mm, okay. Yeah. 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 But because of, you know, because of the, the austerity politics and the very fiscally conservative views, as far as, you know, we need to slash budgets and cut welfare. And she was not a huge fan of like organized labor movements, which we see a little bit of in the show. Yeah, they kind of paint her as a person who doesn't have a lot of empathy for people. Right. But I think like maybe that's accurate, <laughs> which is maybe why she wasn't super popular. And they do the whole stuff with her with her son. And again, I think those kinds of things did, you know, roughly happen. But I guess I didn't feel like I needed, I needed to research the time her son went missing for a couple days on a little race thing or trip thing that he was doing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the Diana stuff, maybe it's just more uh, interesting. So they do kind of tie. This, this actually does seem to kind of time out. So, yes, Mount, Lord Mountbatten is killed, and they kind of show the show. And again, this is probably something that's just kind of rounded to kind of make the timeline fit neatly for the show. But in the show, like, Charles gets a letter from Lord Mountbatten, like, that was written on the day he died, saying that he needs to, you know, find a suitable wife. And obviously the family's already kind of made clear that Camilla is not in that category and so charles is like okay maybe i could date this uh diana girl that seems pretty interesting who's the younger sister of a girl i've dated before and so so kind of juxtaposing that actually so something i did uh, research this was not in the show this is actually something diana had said that kind of times out with the time of laura mountbatten's death it's something she told charles pretty early on like this is maybe like right as they were starting to maybe think about dating that she mentioned to charles how watching Lord Mountbatten's funeral on TV or whatever, or wherever she saw it, and seeing Charles there alone as he's mourning for this important male figure in his life, Mm -hmm. and how he had no one by his side, and how she just kind of felt heartbroken for him, and that he needed to have someone by his side. And that apparently, it's like she's telling him this at like a party or something, and then he was just like all over her the rest of the night, like... (laughs) Almost like there was like a big thing to kind of like, oh, then you can be the person that's by my side. And he kind of like, yeah, lashed onto her and followed her around that party the rest of the night. So, something that's not in the show, then I guess it's something Diana talked about later, but it just kind of tied into the show and the real life events there. The show obviously is running 11 years and 10 episodes, so it's basically doing a year an episode, uh, roughly. And the, the whole idea of both Camilla and the family kind of pushing for Diana and Charles being kind of lukewarm on the idea, yeah, that kind of seems about right and and the whole thing when they kind of they didn't see each other a bunch in person before they got married and or engaged i should say and the whole quote where charles says you know the the reporter asks uh you know are you in love or whatever and diana's like well of course and then and charles falls up with whatever love means right that was real that's real and diana said later that that devastated her i mean again she's yeah yeah, she's this younger girl who is legit kind of falling in love with prince you know prince charming so to speak and he says that in front of a reporter and you already have these like concerns about his past girlfriend that he might still be in love with and it's just like yeah the whole thing just really didn't get off to a good start again i think the show does a good job of reflecting 
not maybe the letter of what exactly happened step by step, but the spirit seems pretty darned accurate with her kind of being, you know, enthralled by the whole idea of joining this world and being a princess, maybe naively, and then kind of quickly becoming disillusioned by how the family operates and how her relationship with Charles is not a fairy tale by any means. And we kind of see that throughout the show, even when things aren't exactly how they were in real life. They're definitely hitting. uh, Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that they show that I it's like early in the season that they showed a kind of to kind of illustrate how much the the rest of the family really likes Diana is when she goes to the Scottish castle. Yeah, the little hunting trip or whatever. Yeah, at the same time that Margaret Thatcher is there, and they show the, basically all of the disconnects between, like, that super high, high class royal lifestyle, and then the way that, like, Margaret Thatcher and her husband are, like, it's a complete fish out of water episode. They're more they're more blue collar middle class types. Yeah, yeah. Well, even yeah, I or like just less 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 pretentious about ceremony. Right. It, well, and even stuff like they give them both like separate bedrooms oh. when they show up, and they're like, "What is this?" And then like the they have the servant unpacking the husband's suitcase. Right. And Margaret Thatcher is like, oh, this that's like a wife's job. Why is this servant? Like, no, get right. out of my husband's stuff. Yeah. And then they're, you know, they're, they're like, oh, well, you know, we have, we have dinner. What are we supposed to wear? I don't know. It's, you know, it's probably black tie because it's the royal family. And like, so like they put on, you know, the, her husband's in this tuxedo and she's in this like really nice fancy dress and they go downstairs and the, everyone is just sitting around and they're hunting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought that that was, it was funny to show like that disconnect because it it showed you know the the class distinction, but also really illustrated how much Margaret Thatcher didn't like the royal family right. and just kind of was like they're all useless. This is not like I have work to do. Why am I here doing all this ceremonial bullshit that oh isn't right right actually accomplishing anything and no one really cares about? And then that juxtaposed with Diana who shows up and is just immediately knows all the the correct stuff to do and is uh you know winning over everyone and everyone loves her and she's having a great time and which again is part of the reason she was quote chosen in the first place because she had that upbringing and even as as irreverent as she kind of was at times or you know definitely kind of challenged the status quo she at least knew the rules and was from the world and yeah i mean she was lady diana spencer i mean she well you know had had this uh, or actually, or did that come after the divorce? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But her, her I, the whole idea was her father was an earl. She she did come from you know nobility, however you would say it. And, uh, you know, and yeah. is, is descended from kings and queens. And I did see uh, one of those uh, useful chart videos. He actually did the whole thing because she's related to Winston Churchill. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So like, if you you can follow like the whole family. I mean, I don't know what it'd be the you know fourth cousins twice removed kind of thing but they are on the sure. same family tree if you go back it is like the spencer churchill family hmm. even i think the churchill name it's one of those things if you actually follow the mailman line churchill should have been spencer but at one point like a brother separated himself and took the churchill name instead of the spencer name or something and uh huh. anyway I'll, I'll send you the link okay so one thing here too i want to talk about the eating disorder and they show diana dealing with bulimia yeah and uh, specifically, 
there's a couple things that a, oh, I don't know if it was a psychologist or who it was, but basically things that they highlighted as, I put wrong in quotes, concerns that some experts had about how the show depicts her struggle with bulimia. Okay. Uh, the main one is that how, when at some point, they, as, they, as they kind of show throughout the season her dealing with this, they get to the point where she's going, she's kind of doing her routine of this bulimic stuff, and she gets to the point where she knows it's a problem, and so she's in the restroom, and she stops herself from doing it. And the expert was basically saying, like, while that can happen, that almost never happens, and you actually, right. you really need intervention and it's an obsession and a compulsion. You can't just right. smart your way out of it. Right. It, it would be like it'd be like showing uh, an alcoholic putting the drink down. That or yeah, or like a heroin addict who's like about to put the needle in the arm, and then they're like, "Oh no, I shouldn't do this. This is bad and destructive for me." It's like right. Okay, technically that's possible, but like that right. never is going to happen. Very unlikely. Yeah. Right. That was the only thing the expert mentioned being wrong. Uh, but there's a couple other things with how the show the show didn't show. Uh, one, it says she was even bulimic during her fresh pregnancy. So when she's pregnant with uh, William, she was like still struggling with bulimia during a pregnancy. When you think about mm-hmm. the nutritional needs of a of a fetus, that's kind of crazy. Right. And then something the show. I'm surprised the show did not show this, unless I'm forgetting it. But I'm pretty sure the article said that it wasn't mentioned either. That one of the triggers she later said was again they're in the, this public. You know, it's all, it is so much about public image and trying to maintain weight. I mean, but that becomes an obsession and a compulsion. But supposedly, Charles said, not in necessarily like a cruel way, more in just like a husband teasing his wife way, maybe. But, you know, just kind of like embracing her and just like, ooh, getting a little tummy here, aren't we? Just like said something like that. Uh-oh. And like she later said, like, you know, that, that was actually a huge trigger. And like, um, so I was kind of surprised that wasn't shown in the show. Yeah, anyway, so those are things that necessarily about just the eating disorder, eating disorder specifically that uh, were maybe different from real life versus how the show uh, dealt with it. Um, I thought it was interesting to... So this does come up in the episode where uh, Thatcher's son goes missing, and they kind of use that to highlight... Well, I don't know if it was... This, I don't know if it was true or not, but in the show, they make it that Thatcher strongly preferred her son to her daughter, and I doubt that was completely invented whole cloth, but I don't know to what extent it was a real thing. That's kind of awkward. But... They use that to have Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth discuss their favorite, kid. whether or not they have favorites. And Prince Philip, yeah. without a without missing a beat, it's like, well, yeah, and <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and then and she and she's like, what? I don't have a favorite. He's like, yes, you do. Well, who is it? I'm not going to tell you. Um, right. So she has interviews with all of her kids to like just talk with them one on one and just basically see who she vibes with best. Yeah. And she does realize to like her own chagrin or whatever that like, oh, shoot, I do really favor Andrew just because they had the most in common and just they just talked the best together. And I think the show handled it in a very interesting way because obviously Prince Andrew has been basically disavowed or what i disinherited i don't know the exact ramifications but because of his ties to jeffrey epstein he's been kind of separated from the royal family and the show doesn't obviously address any of that in any way shape or form but i do feel like the overtones are there i wonder how if or how that's going to be addressed in the upcoming oh you're right you're right that'll be interesting because he because he's such a minor character in the show he's almost not existent in the show right yeah i I wonder if maybe that's how they're gonna handle it they're just like kind of ignore it but it's like 
At some point, you have to have a, a half an episode. But in yeah. season six, though, like, yeah, it, it ends up becoming such a big deal. No, I think I think it'll be addressed in season six. This show does not shy away from controversial topics. So That's true. That's I, I true. think in, I think in season six, you'll, you'll get it. And I don't know to what extent we'll get hints of it in the background. But I do think... I, I just feel like the show creators during this episode were very aware of that and not trying to... Again, none of that stuff is going on, you know, or possible stuff. Again, we don't actually have, like, hard and fact, here's what he did on this this date. It's just very, very sketchy. Yeah. But, yeah, just kind of highlight that, oh, yeah, you know, even though he got he did all these bad things, he still had a good relationship with his mom. I, I don't know. that. I just feel like the overtones were there that isn't it odd that her favorite son is the one who is, might be a yeah. pedophile. <laughs> anyway. Oh, and then the Falklands. Oh, the yeah, they they this is the the Falklands War, the Falkland Islands War between the UK and Argentina. Yes, in the eighties. Yeah, nineteen eighty two, I think. So while I was on my trip, I tried to do some research, and it was kind of interesting. Like it's not as clear cut as I would have thought. It's not like Britain had wrested control of the Falkland Islands from the Argentinians at some point, and that the Falkland Islands are kind of just a place that had been under the control of lots of different people over the years, and the British were more recent. Yes, they are close to uh, Argentina geographically. I think, in my mind, watching the show, Mm -hmm. I kind of just assumed that, I mean, yeah, the British Empire spread all over the world, but, like, shouldn't they really belong to Argentina? And then kind of looking at the research, I'm like, eh, I mean, maybe not really. It's not like the United States has a right to own Cuba. It'd almost be like a similar thing to, like, that, where it's like, I mean, just just because you're close to a place doesn't mean it should be yours. Um, and I just I don't know enough about the inhabitants of the island themselves and what their view on it all was, but it's still under British control today, right? Uh, yeah, and it's they're mostly like the population is mostly British descended anyway. Exactly, which so is kind of yeah. I yeah, mean, that's like there are there yeah. are you know like there are native Argentinians or whatever that are there, but like most of the island is populated by white people. Okay, yeah, yeah, and again the. Not to get too much into the whole history of colonialism when we're talking specifically about the Falkland Islands. But yeah, it was just kind of an odd conflict. It seems like an odd fight for Argentina to pick against Britain. Well, it's one of those things where the they kind of see it as a, a, it's a way to assert yourself on the world stage and, and legitimize yourself as a, a big boy. And who better to take on than the British? Oh, it's it's the prison thing. You first day in prison, you go find the biggest guy and pick a fight with him. <laughs> right, yeah, only this is like, you know, like a long time, like hundreds of years later. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And, but then on the flip side, though, it's like, it was almost, in the way that they portrayed in the show is interesting, too, because it's almost like an international sporting event. Oh, huh. Like, you know, during the war, they show, like, there's this huge swell of, you know, British, like, national pride during this time. And Margaret Thatcher is seeing, like, she was the Iron Lady before because it's like, oh, you're, like, iron and cold and heartless. Mm. But now it's like, oh, she's the Iron Lady. She's this stoic leader who's not going to put up with any of this bullshit from anywhere else. She's going to, you know, we're defending Britain and it's... I don't know. I, I just thought that it was interesting how they show like, oh, you want to see your approval numbers go up? Start a war. <laughs> uh, e- even I, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it's not necessarily. Well, especially, especially in the 80s, especially in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah. as far as natives go, here's what's interesting, though, I thought, with the Falkland Islands, because colonialism isn't really necessarily a thing. Or, there were no natives. When Europeans uh, ran across the Falkland Islands, no one was living there. Oh, really? Which I feel, yeah, and so the French put the first colonies on there in the 18th century. So, yeah, you think about all this colonialism and, you know, obviously Europe coming over to the Americas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Falkland Islands were uninhabited pre-Europe. So there are no, there is no indigenous people they were displacing or taking it from. So, I mean, of course, the French established a colony, and then the British later claim it for Britain, and then Spain's around there. It's like, Europe was kind of fighting over it, and Britain ends up on top, but no natives were ever displaced or anything like that on the Falklands. It was, it's, just, it's just an island that's basically always been controlled by Europeans. I know we're going to just jump all over the place, but uh, that's... Honestly, kind of what they do from episode to episode. I mean, yeah, they're these the same characters, but you know, they'll just randomly jump to a new, uh, <laughs> a new event. Like, and again, this story is crazy. But uh, the Michael Fagan guy who breaks into the palace and into the I queen's love room. That, episode. that was that was maybe my favorite episode of the whole season. I uh, or maybe the whole series. I, I don't. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good one. It's it's just fascinating. And again, it it legit happened. Yeah. Like, I think they kind of invented the conversation because I don't think the Queen's necessarily given the play-by-play like they do right. in the show there. But, yeah, this dude, disgruntled guy, and we just wanted to talk to the person at the top. So he goes in and has a conversation with the Queen. And in the show, I kind of liked how they have him give her some legit insight that she was unaware of. And she actually kind of appreciated him. Yeah. In the, yeah, sh- in the show. I haven't researched this. I didn't look at this enough in real life. It'd be the perfect way for, like, the writer of a story to show, like, oh, okay, here's this, like, wild event that we could have happen. Oh, right. To where we can show the real human effects of these austerity measures and, like, the cuts to welfare and the whole, oh, just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps attitude that the Thatcher administration was kind of implementing in the UK at this time. And we can show how that's, like, hurting poor people and then we could have this guy like break into the palace and like talk about it with the queen wouldn't that be wild and crazy and that would be like the perfect way to have that happen in like a fictional story right. about some country right. that was doing this but like this is 100 percent real right I mean, like you well, said the, right, right. The, the exact script of the conversation is is maybe not known or, or real but like michael fagan is a real guy who actually did right break into the palace and talk with the queen right and yeah, and with the whole delays on her calling security and stuff like that's all, yeah, that's it's it's legit. Uh, it is it is a fast fascinating episode. So uh, another thing definitely worth talking about is the trip that Diana and Charles take to Australia, and this is one that kind of does fall into that category of basically happened, and they just kind of rounded some things to fit neater within an episode. But uh, the broad strokes are correct so like the little things that were wrong were like oh well they have like the picnic with prince william well that was actually in new zealand not australia because the show was just simplifying and making it all happen in australia that you know little things like that and then another one that was wrong according to you know diana later was in the show they're kind of hiking up that hill and she's just like i just i just can't i just can't it's too hot Mm -hmm. they kind of make her a little dainty so she did turn back from the hike, but apparently the real reason was 
her dress kept blowing up in the wind. She basically wasn't properly dressed for a hike oh, up a hill right. in the wind. And she and of course they're followed by cameras at all time. And she's basically yeah. like, um, I can't keep my dress down. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. And so I don't understand why that was something you would change. Like why make her so dainty when you can actually have this other legit reason that also ties into the to the paparazzi stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but no, but other than that, the whole idea is that there was a push in Australia at the time to separate themselves from being a Dominion state or whatever that, you know, however that classification works and that mm-hmm. Diana's popularity kind of helped save the monarchy in Australia. Yeah, that's legit. Like one of the articles talked about, and I don't, I don't know if they meant, they might have mentioned this in the show. It's been a while since I've seen season four, I guess, but they've compared her presence in Australia to like Beatlemania. The country went crazy for Princess Diana, and Charles was jealous of how much she overshadowed him. Like that, that's all yeah. legit. Well, and then they have the, uh, is it the Prime Minister of Australia says something? I forget who he's talking to, but he's like. Yeah, Princess Diana like just set back our oh yeah uh, republicanism or whatever they called it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. however many years <laughs> yeah like this like we're, it's done we're we're we can't do it now right I think he actually said that yeah so like all that stuff is pretty darned accurate which then not just upsets Charles but it, the the strain that it has on their marriage so again broad strokes they basically nailed it as far as what I'm as far as what I'm reading again our whole purpose I kind of. Talking about the crown was well. One, it kind of is just a, a cool historical show and kind of fits uh, what we do here. We don't get to talk about enough TV because we're always doing movies. But at the same time, I had read, you know, kind of snarky internet comments, kind of talking about huh, Americans watching the crown and thinking it's history. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not an idiot. I know it's a TV show, but at the same time, show me the huge things we're getting wrong. And in my research. I don't see a lot of huge things they get wrong, right? I mean, yeah, little things and maybe you know shades of motivation here and there. But again, like the Michael Fagan stuff, they're they're not making stuff up. And again, if we're wrong, let us let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that it was kind of it was fun to see the inclusion of Diana's relationship with uh, Major Hewitt. Mm. So he was a military guy, but he was her writing instructor. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I guess they they had it was like a, you know, a not so secret secret that they had an affair, but the reason that I think that it's fun that they put it in the show is that there's like kind of conspiracy theories that are like kind of maybe probably true that he's oh. actually Prince Harry's father. What? Look, pull up a picture of him right now. It's like a it's like oh. a a Ronan Farrow type no. thing. You know how we always really? talk about Yeah. How we always talk about like like we've even had this discussion before about like they're like look at Ronan Fair like you know there's no way there's no way that's Woody Allen's kid right well no and and that one I hundred percent believe but uh yeah well look at a picture of Prince Harry and Major Hewitt side by side <laughs> I mean it's it, well it, obviously with with the Ronan Farrell or Ronan Farrell one it's a little different because <laughs> the difference between Frank Sinatra and Woody Allen is about as stark as you can have between any two men. <laughs> Not that Prince Charles looks a lot like James Hewitt, but hmm, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just think that that's kind of fun because it's like I I don't know if they're gonna go anywhere with it in the show, but they did like they do show him. I think at least once in the show, and they you know mention him by name, and I'm like, oh okay, that's that's fun. I like that. Oh, huh. That is 
That's interesting. That's it. No, I, I was not aware of this one. You have you have my interest uh, peaked. <laughs> Man, of course, it's also like we got DNA. Just just uh, just do the test. I don't. I, I don't know. It's Why like, would you though? What would you gain? That's like infinite risk and no reward. <laughs> well, but Harry's already separated himself anyway. So what does he care? Uh, I don't know. I is there like legally would there be anything like oh you're not a legit member of the whatever like do you I don't know. Or you could also just argue that, well, you know what? It's actually been, it's no different than what's been going on for, you know, a thousand years. So why do we need to start doing DNA tests now? Because you could probably do a lot of those same stories. I mean, Braveheart has the, you know, the one where they kind of do oh, it. And yeah. yeah. So, like, so that, that, that kind of thing could absolutely happen. Yeah. Or, or you know, in, um, in Vikings, where they're talking about how Alfred the Great, is it Alfred the Great's father? Oh yes, yes. Is, is actually that priest? Not, yeah, 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 yeah. Is actually Ethelstan and not the son of King Eckbert. Right, right. So yeah, you have all <laughs> all those kinds of things. And so then uh, I'd actually want in Anne Rice's books of I think it's the Mayfair witches that she kind of talks about as recurring characters. So basically, they kind of have a matrilineal line because of that exact reason. So like the line of this family is tracked by the women because. You always know who the mom is. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to trace a family for a thousand years, well, you, you can't doubt the moms. Yeah. You, you can never prove, well, again, especially pre-DNA test, um, you can't prove paternity. Right. No, that's, that's interesting. I was, not, I was not familiar with that one. And I was very skeptical as you said it. And now I'm like, less skeptical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. So another big uh, event. Again, each episode is kind of pretty standalone here. So, and this is one, too, where... We don't really know exactly how this all played out, but when they un- unveil or reveal that there are some cousins in like a home for the oh what I I don't know what the term would be because it's not quite an asylum right but it's uh they're just kind of like mentally disabled and they're oh, in this home yeah so this is one too it's hard to really know what the exact truth of this is so yes were those women there and were they related absolutely that's all true. Right. The question is to what extent the royal family may have actually known and like so the controversy was real when the when it was discovered by the media that these women existed, it was a big controversy and there were definitely claims at the time that basically they had been neglected and forgotten and no one had ever visited them, no one cared that they were alive and then and the Queen Elizabeth, I think it was a big exposé on this in like 2011 or something and Queen Elizabeth was just like basically shocked and appalled that anyone would dare insinuate that these women were forgotten and not still visited and stuff. So mm. the, the the crown maintains that no, we we knew about them. We were we were we visited them. And so the show so but but we we don't know. That's what I was saying before where well of course they would say that. So the one thing that didn't really happen too is the idea that Margaret kind of pioneered this big discovery that does seem to be invented for the show. Okay. But the women did exist. They were institutionalized at a time to kind of put them maybe out of the way. Like that kind of stuff, yeah, is probably accurate. But the big reveals and Margaret kind of confronting her mom about it, that's probably all kind of just fabricated. Yeah, it it looks like they, but they were listed as dead and whatever that. Yes, that I think that happened. Yeah, yeah. It's like a genealogical book or something. Right. Like, and they were, yeah, they were both listed as having died like decades earlier. But then, okay. like, oh no, they're not dead. They're in this. Uh, right. It's like a right. Yeah, a mental institution. 
and I think that might have happened, but I don't think that clerical error meant that Margaret thought they were actually dead too. You know, so I, I think it's oh, gotcha, right, right. So it was just one of those things that maybe on paper. So yeah, it, it, but it was discovered when basically a reporter did stumble across the very unceremonial looking tombstone of one of of the one of them, and then did the research and kind of discovered it. So then the media kind of blew up with it, huh. but that's kind of separate. So again, real women, definitely a sad story. But that is maybe one of those where the show definitely kind of tweaked things to make it a lot more interesting. Now, the one kind of, you mentioned conspiracy theories. Here's another massive conspiracy theory. Now, there's actually no evidence for it. It's more of just an intellectual thought, like a what if. Mm -hmm. But basically, because uh, Queen Elizabeth would have been about the same age of one of them, the idea was that the real Elizabeth was oh. the mentally infirm one and they gotcha. swapped her with one of her cousins and the cousin was grown up as princess elizabeth and that anyway but again no evidence for it and at the time where the switch would have had to have been made there was no indication that she would ever have been on the throne you know what i'm saying she was yeah. too far down the right yeah so there's no motivation for such a switch right her father wasn't even right wasn't even in line to get the throne basically until she was like an adult right so, right exactly exactly yeah. so it, it's more just a, like well they could have well yeah but they would have had no yeah, reason but they would have it. had to somehow <laughs> know that like years in the future that king edward was gonna abdicate right and right george was gonna get the throne it's like right yeah, and then it and then it's like it's only it's kind of like the uh, uh, Obama born in Kenyan thing. It's like yeah, they faked his birth certificate in the sixties. Like, but why? <laughs> like, what motivation would they have had in the sixties to pretend he was born in the United yeah. States because he's going to be president one day? Oh yeah, yeah. The the single black or the black kid of the single mom is definitely going to be president someday. We better fabricate this birth certificate, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then the next one is. The ski trip accident, and, and I, which I, I want to bring up only because there is something the show, I don't think, addressed. So uh, there's the big avalanche, and it actually kills one of Charles's friends. And Charles was right. there. There's almost a little worry at first where, you know, is Charles safe and all these kinds of things. So again, that happened. It was a tragic avalanche, and this friend of the royal family was killed. That happened. What I read online... And it, it seemed, it, I mean, it was a trustworthy article or whatever. And I don't think this was addressed in the show at all. That it might have kind of been Charles's fault. Like, it wasn't just... The avalanche? Well, <laughs> no. But... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Charles didn't cause the avalanche. But... Oh, I was going to say, how would you ever prove that? <laughs> <laughs> there were avalanche warnings warnings oh, in place gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and see, Charles said saying. no we're going to do it anyway and they were going down a slope that wasn't like a designated they were just like free skiing mm. let's ski here and it was like a dangerous spot where there was avalanche warnings and everyone was just falling around the prince that sounds like some entitled Prince Charles shit that would happen like I could totally believe that no right exactly it's like oh we're fine we're fine we're going to do it anyway and then one of the friends dies so the show I don't think addressed any of that and again, I'm not saying that makes it his fault, but I'm saying it was a, it was a tragic accident that probably could have been been avoided right. if they had actually followed the protocols and the safety, you know, basically the safety protocols. You know, <laughs> go down actual marked slopes and don't yeah. ski when there's an avalanche warning. And they all just kind of did it anyway. See, and that's that's something though that like 
I, from a showrunner perspective, no, right? Why, why not, don't you put that in there? Right? Why right. not do that? Right? Because I don't think that makes paints Charles any worse any worse than he's already painted in the show. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're gonna if you're gonna bend the truth to show like, oh, it was actually you know Princess Margaret that was the one that found these two you know mentally disabled cousins or something when that didn't really happen why not right why not right go show that you know charles was maybe responsible partially for this dude's death like it, it, it wouldn't even had to be like a overt like thing, a yeah. long thing you just you know have a couple minutes of you show a sign that shows an avalanche warning and he's charles says oh no we're gonna go down this hill anyway and then yeah right because that that has more weight so it has more consequences and more weight to his grief right yeah so basically what we're saying is like crown showrunners you know hit us up we got yeah yeah we can can improve the show we know what we're talking about yeah it it goes from it adds guilt to his grief there was no the show just had it as pure grief with no guilt really at least as far as i remember and maybe they do kind of hint that oh we shouldn't have gone skiing it's my maybe there was a little bit of that but i don't remember it being like specific blame or anything like that plus in and in this season charles is really i don't know if he's necessarily a villain but he's definitely not a very sympathetic character and that would go that would go even further to you know make the audience not like him right yeah he's definitely kind of thrust in this antagonistic role yeah it's tough and and i I don't i don't know i don't necessarily want to take a side in that fight because again i I think we talked about in previous seasons where charles was kind of in this position where he didn't ask for any of this he didn't want any of this he wanted to you know know, with his relationship with diana it's like well he wanted to marry someone else it's like so yeah. to what what extent has his whole life been this kind of victim of circumstance, not to exonerate him from, you know, behavior or anything, but just... Right. And again, it, it's definitely complicated. And again, I don't think the show does paint him as a full-on villain. And obviously, I'm expressing some of these thoughts because they're shown in the show. Right. Yeah, the only other cover things here, and I don't know how much you want to go into, they do kind of deal with the, you know, the uh, Queen and Thatcher uh, arguing over what to do about sanctions on South Africa during apartheid. Mm-hmm. And the, I, we, we may have mentioned this before, maybe even in the Invictus episode, where you know Britain is kind of slow to join the rest of the world on sanctions, but it's like, uh, yeah, and so was the U.S. Like we were also one of the bad ones about yeah condemning but, condemning apartheid economically. But I think for probably different reasons, though, right? Like for Britain, it was kind of a... It was purely economic, I thought, for the Brit- the way the Britons- Brits were looking at it, right? Economic, well, and also kind of like a save face thing. Like they don't want to, I don't know, like it was a, a British colony for so long and they had, you know... Oh, to what extent are we actually culpable for what's going on there versus the U.S.? Right. It was 100% economic. Well, for the U.S., it was 100% we don't like socialism or communism. Oh, gotcha. And so okay. like these... You know, these uh, the apartheid government is capitalist friendly, whereas like Nelson Mandela is this, you know, according to the U.S., is this violent communist rebel. And a lot of the groups that were like there was a bunch of communist movements throughout like throughout Africa in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And so, yeah, for the for the United States, it was a lot of uh, containing communism as well okay okay a, a big uh uh incentive to back the apartheid government that makes sense and then uh the final thing is just kind of generally looking at you know the unraveling of princess diana and uh, prince charles's uh, marriage 
and because again they kind of we kind of go through the whole thing in this thing we don't they don't get divorced in this season but we can definitely know that the well especially since we know what really happens we know that the end is near and we'll get to the end i'm sure in season five yeah and i, I think it does a good job of just kind of highlighting the legit strains and that she was always kind of jealous and suspicious of camilla and actually got to where it was almost kind of an obsession which kind of makes sense i guess if she had you know this some eating disorder obsession she also basically kind of had this uh obsession where anytime charles wasn't with her she just assumed he was with camilla and like just any legit story you know he's going has to go here like nope anytime he wasn't with her she assumed he was with camilla like it just became yeah, like, like he, this he, he was also with camilla a lot <laughs> true but not literally every time he was not with her but yes 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 that's that's fair right but like he was definitely cheating on her like well no right he was definitely right, right. with camilla right that's that's fair <laughs> like they got married no right right <laughs> camilla and charles did later like it's okay fair not the the, the paranoia was not completely unfounded <laughs> yes you're, you're not crazy if they are after you yeah <laughs> right yeah exactly so but the last thing i was going to kind of maybe sum up this episode of our show with is how they talk about uh prince philip has a conversation with diana and i think it kind of sums up i mean shoot the reason they chose the crown as the title of this show because the whole idea that Prince Charles is, or sorry, Prince Philip is trying to remind Diana of is basically what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. You didn't sign up for a happy lifelong marriage. You signed up right. to do your part to serve the crown, and that right. everything we do, even in our personal lives, is secondary to serving the person who wears the crown, which right now is Queen Elizabeth. So right. your personal happiness is technically irrelevant, right. and that's what you signed up for. And she's all worried about, oh, you know, I'm an outsider, I'm, you know, not accepted, and he's like, uh, yeah, we all are. Like, we're all outsiders. Which is a great point, right, right. We're, we're the house of misfit, yeah, basically it's the island of misfit toys kind of thing, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. And some of them are born into it, and some of them married into it. Yeah, every single one of us in the family comes after the queen. Like, right. That's, that's that's what we do. That's, that's our job. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. So, so I, I just thought that was well handled, and you can definitely have issues with that. You can definitely disagree with that. You can definitely be okay with them ultimately getting divorced and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, we do kind of, as we kind of get to the modern day, those attitudes have shifted. They've, you know, the royal family, obviously Charles ends up, uh, you know, or sorry, uh, Harry is, you know, marries a, a divorcee and stuff too, and all, basically well, so, so much stuff. So did Charles and Charles, right, right, right. So yeah. all these things that would not have happened, you know, just a generation before. So they do shift, but at the end of the day, yeah, it, it it's all about the crown, and mm-hmm. yeah. So no, it's it's a great show. Uh, we enjoy it. We're not sure how long it'll be before we get to season five, but uh, as soon as it comes out and we have time to watch it, we'll throw in another episode about it. So in the meantime, because usually we always try to kick to what we're going to do next. So our current plan, I think that actually this should work out, is uh, we are going to next tackle the TV show Vikings, which I'm excited about because, and, and we'll get a lot of, I guess we'll get to a lot of this next time, but uh, I like to joke that it's a prequel series to The Crown <laughs> because there are many ancestors of Queen Elizabeth in vikings yeah and it, it gives you the, the depiction of but what some of her ancestors are doing 1200 years uh before the crown so uh just kind of neat to think 
of that. It's, it's also, in a certain way, it's also kind of the prequel series to American History 100. Well, spoiler alert, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not wrong, you're not wrong. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Vikings for the next, uh, honestly, the next few months, as far as our release schedule goes. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about the, the show Vikings. So stay tuned next time, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, later. Later.